Welcome, everybody, to the Yo Kid Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Gargano. This is the podcast that surrounds everything youth sports. So I've covered pro and college sports at the highest level, and I have fallen in love with youth sports. I'm a big believer in sports for children. I, I just think it's a it's such a great at, uh, great outlet and keeps them out of trouble. Keeps them they learn so many great life lessons. So as we go forward with the podcast, we're going to be talking to a lot of different people in the world of youth sports. We'll talk to some professional athletes who have children of themselves. We'll talk about the journey of the athlete. We'll highlight some of the terrific youth uh, sports athletes across the Delaware Valley and beyond. Uh, but really, we really want to try to give some advice to the parents. Listen, if you got a good story, good idea, please, like I said, hit me up and we'll get to Yo Kids Sports Podcast. And don't forget, our Yo Kids Sports Podcast is presented by Primo Hoagies. Listen, know what I've always said for years and years and years. It's not just a hoagie. It's a Primo. And uh, this fall, whether you're tailgating, football, soccer, it's youth, you name it, make sure you got your Primo Hoagie party tray. Nothing like it for the big game. And speaking of football and the big game, this fall we're giving away a trip to Vegas to see the very big game to one very lucky, very deserving coach. So if you know a youth coach that you think deserves recognition for their outstanding dedication and passion, make your nominations today. Primohogies.com. You can go directly mvc.primohogies.com. Our most valuable coach promotion here at Primos. I love it. We, we got to shine some love, give some love to these youth coaches that spend their time, many of whom uh, just get an earful and <laughs> no compensation. So they're the best. Nominate your favorite coach. Again, it's the uh, Primo Hoagies Most Valuable Coach Contest. I love it. I think it's great. And who knows? Maybe they'll get to see uh, the birds at the big game. Wouldn't that be something? What was your biggest um, weapon in teaching them? Like, you know, because we all know what you wanted, that you knew what you wanted it to look like. But getting all these kids to buy it, especially in an AAU situation, because let's face it, AAU kids, there's a lot of selfishness when it comes to getting basketball. There's prone to selfishness, whether it's shots or bulk, uh, dominate the basketball. You know it. Well, you know, you're no question. And I think for me, one thing was they, they saw immediately, I don't tolerate it, like at all. And I, I see – you know, I, I've seen a lot of basketball in my life at the youth level. And I think there are times when coaches at that level are afraid of losing a player, right? So they kind of acquiesce all the time and they're afraid of actually coaching them because there's no repercussion from changing teams. Anthony, I played one year, I played against a kid. I wish I could remember his name. And the reason I remember that he played on three different teams against me because he lit me up, right? If he was if he was a kid that didn't score, I wouldn't remember this, right? But right. this kid's like six, 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 seven. We see him in a tournament early in the year. He gives me like 30. He was a problem, man. I'm like, God, I'm talking to my assistant coach. Like, that kid is a problem. Then about six weeks later, we're in a tournament, like in another part of the country. And I'm like, 
Is that the, is that the kid that gave us 30, like back in North Jersey? It was. And he, he hurt us again. And then I saw him at the end of the year in July at another exposure tournament. He was in a different program. And, and so my point is there's no repercussion to leave. You could play on one tournament with a team this weekend. Next week, I'll play with somebody else. If you tell me something I don't want to hear as a player or, or my parents get upset because I don't get enough shots, touches, minutes, whatever, I'm out. I'm out because I can go play for anybody. I don't have to sit out a year. I just go weekend to weekend. So I think as a result, coaches tolerate some of the selfishness, and I was not going to do it because for me, with what I had going on, I mean, I mean Anthony, think about this. I'm flying back some days from Sports Center. I'm in my suit on the plane, landing at Philadelphia Airport, in my suit with a gym bag, going to the high school gym we practice at about a half hour from the airport, going into the gym, going into the bathroom, changing out of my suit into my gym clothes, and then running practices. And in two years, I coached my daughter's AAU team. We had to do back-to-backs because I only had had two nights free a week. So then I would do four hours of practice, boys and girls, back-to-back. So so for me, the reason I say that is because I was not about to let selfishness – ruin this experience for me like i'm not it's just not worth it to me i got too much going on i don't need this i want to do this and so i'm not allowing it so i had certain certain you know play type of players i wanted to coach and then i would just halt it as soon as i saw it and one thing that they learned from me and this i'm big on this whenever i try to help young coaches there literally is no detail that can ever be overlooked when you're trying to clean up what an offense looks like. And I have been at college level practices, division one practices. And I have been watching drills where I personally have seen three, four things wrong. Like the angle of the screen, the timing of the reversal, where the player was, he was too flat toward the baseline. So the screen was bad and that's why he wasn't open. Right. And they're running stuff and they, they're competing for two minutes, then and then they just check it up again at the top. And I'm like, nobody mentioned any of those things. And I'm going, I don't get it. Like, so for me, and, and I think part of it is look, I, I'm blessed that I think I can see 10 players at the same time when I watch a game and I can see it all. Yeah. yeah. So for 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 these kids that I coached, this was the first time they'd heard some of this stuff. And when you start showing them, like, and literally stop, stop. Stop. Do it again. Stop. Stop. Right. When they're like they're getting annoyed because they just want to get into a rhythm. And I'm going, no, you cannot move on to part B until we master part A, because these things on this set are all linked and they need to be perfect. And they're all details. Every single guy has a detail and it has to be done that way. And look, obviously, then you start to teach them after that. Now there are reads to be made. You're not going to be a robot. So now there's a read. Oh, a guy understands what we're trying to run. He's going to cheat and try to get over the screen. Well, now here's the counter to that. And before you know it, they understand every detail matters. I'm stopping it constantly to get it right. And now we're building blocks and an offense because now we're adding the counters. Now we're adding what comes next when this team thinks they've got you figured out. And then by the end of – you know, and usually it wouldn't be at the beginning of AAU season. Let's say we're three tournaments in. We'd hit our stride. And now it was just this beautiful mm. you know, motion offense that we could run 
that they were so comfortable running and they made every read right, you know? And so that I think to me was the difference. I see every little detail that matters on why a play is not successful or why a play is successful or an individual is successful in what he's doing. I can see it and I know exactly why not like, Oh, let's do it again. No, do it again. But this time your bottom foot needs to be above the three point line because that distance means everything when he's coming off for spacing, like little things like that for young players, they never heard any of this stuff. They never heard any of this stuff. So now that they just started to polish up their game to such a level. And I think that's why, you know, it, 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 I enjoyed it so much because I was giving them something in a different way. And honestly, that's how I am on the air. I feel like I'm trying to say something in a different way than anybody else would. Maybe on the game you just watched, I saw something, maybe a little differently. And now that's what I want to break down. And I try to make it a teaching point. And I've always thought about it like a coach since I've been on the air. Well, no, you're, you're the way you break down a game is completely a coach. It's, and you're, you're, you educate, I think the viewers on how the game is supposed to be played. And like, listen, we all tend to rail on all the games, not playing with yeah. There's some great players in this league. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the ta- like talent level overall yeah. is better than it's ever been. There are more highly skilled players on rosters than there has ever been. Now, that doesn't mean always that you, I'm going to say, well, this brand of basketball is the best mm-hmm. it's ever been. I, you know, that's those are two different conversations. Yep. Well, I'm not one of those guys like, you know, from previous generation that's railing about nothing's nothing that's news better. I'm not that. I just think, I think there's, there are bits and pieces of each of the three eras that I'm talking about. Like the eighties, when I grew up one, number one, falling in love with the game, that's high school cuts college. That's also an incredible era in the NBA. So I'm watching it going home at night when I'm falling in love with the game and developing as a player at those, you know, age, basically 14 to 21. I'm also going home at night and I'm watching the Celtics and the Lakers and the Sixers and the Pistons and those teams from that era play a certain style that was like, you know, maybe love it even more watching that. Right. Then there's the nineties into the early two thousands. And then there's now. And so there's three different eras since I've fell in love with the game and there's bits and pieces from each that I love. So, but I will say, I think there are more highly skilled offensive players now than there have ever been. And the reason is because the training that they do is completely different. It's so much higher level in what they are specifically working on to improve their handle, their footwork, their shooting range, like all those things. We didn't, we just didn't have the creativity and the number of drills like growing up and the access to be able to look at guys on a video um, and, and pick up stuff from across the country that this guy's doing. Oh man, that's an incredible drill. I'm going to work on that. You know, we didn't have all that. So that's why you have guys that are so highly skilled and there's more guys on more NBA rosters that could do more things offensively than there has ever been. I want to get back to the AU team real quick. And you were also dad. Yeah. And you were, you know, dad for your son and your daughter and you're coaching the kids. How did that relationship go? Yeah. You know, especially hard. someone as driven as you are as a coach. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And, um, I, you know, it, it's – at times the most incredibly rewarding thing ever when it was going well and you're just doing this together and it's an incredible moment. And I remember my son walking off the court the very last time I coached him and the game was going to be like a five point game. We were going to lose the game and, and 
it was within like 10 seconds. And so I left him and another one of the originals on the court till the very end. Now, two the other two kids that were the originals were both injured. They were not playing. So I remember this moment. And my son comes off the court and I'm kind of looking at him and we just get a huge embrace at midcourt and hug. And I remember exactly what I said in his ear. I said, I hope you didn't hate all of it. That's what I said to him. And he just was crying and said, no, man, I love it. Thank you so much. And that was actually the most, that was the best year he had was his last year with me. Um, But look, it's obviously hard because I am an incredibly passionate, intense person. Now, obviously, you you know, I'm, I'm very loving too toward not only my son, every kid on the team. So I, I thought I walked that balance pretty well, but I think he's my son and he's got my name and he's he's always trying so hard to like live up and to make me proud, even though he didn't. It, it took a long time I think, for him to understand that I was going to be proud no matter what. As soon as this ends, it stays here. We're going to go get ice cream and go grab some dinner and watch a game and and you know and have a great time. Nothing got got carried home. Like that was what we always try to do. But I can understand how difficult that was for both of them. It was very, very hard for them. And I think I got in touch with that later. I understood it a lot better than I did in the moment. And I wish I had understood it better at the time, how hard that was for them to be coached by me during that time. And I, and I think that can honestly be said for any parent, child relationship in coaching it is a hard thing to do because you're trying to have the best interest of the team but you really have the best interest in your kid you're pulling for him but you're trying to coach everybody you know it's is a level you're always harder on your own kid no question you're harder on them and and as they're also less likely to listen to you like it's amazing how your kid can get the smallest bit of advice from any other adult about their game and they're going to soak it up. But when you're trying to tell them, it's like, what do you know? You know, it's, it's like, I feel things, that but, all the time. It drives me insane. I'm like, yeah, but I, it was, listen, I, it was truly genuinely uh, to the day I die. Those are some of the greatest memories I'm ever going to have is, is being out there with my kids, coaching them and helping them try to accomplish their dreams of playing college basketball and they both did my son played at Rowan my daughter played at Newman my daughter was a thousand point scorer at Newman uh one of the best three-point shooters they ever had in their history of their program um and you know it, it was it was a grind at times it was very rewarding at times it was a roller coaster and it was a long journey and they started the game very young and they stuck with it to the end and they played as long as they could and I was proud of them for that yeah that's that's just beautiful what what, do you, what advice do you give parents, especially bad good basketball? And you know better than anybody, right? Unless you're an incredible overachiever, and you were you were partly that, but you're also partly a great player that understood the game at a completely different level. What advice do you give parents that you have kids that love the game, and you go, listen, there's another level to this sport where this elite level that you probably most kids aren't going to come close to reaching, you know, but you know, you got kids that love the game and you don't want to dash their dreams, but you also don't want to like create, you know, delusions. That's a great, that's a great question. And it's something I cover at my camp every year. One of the things I tell the kids, and it's, it's a phrase I use a lot. I say, 
You have to give yourself the right to have expectations. Because if you aren't honest with yourself about how much you love this and how much you are willing to work at it and how much you might have to sacrifice other things to be great, if you're not honest about that, then why are you going through the motions of expressing frustration and disappointment and those kinds of things? And I think those are conversations parents need to have with their kids because there's nothing wrong. And I tell, I tell, I told my own kids this, and I told them at any time, at any time they could walk away and they had my support. If at any time their high school team, the AAU, the college, and there were times they thought about it because for whatever reason, a teammate, a coach, like what me, whatever they thought about it. And I was willing to back them up. The only rule we ever had was you're, you're finishing the season. It'll be before the next season. You don't have to play ever if you don't want to. And coach, parents need to have conversations with their kids and say, listen, you don't have to be great. And you could just be doing this because it's fun and it's social and your friends are playing and that's fine. But you also then have to be reasonable about your expectations when it comes to playing time, when it comes to how many shots you get when it comes to uh, making teams and as opposed to being cut from a team, just be able to cope with that, knowing that this isn't the primary thing in your life that you want to work at. Um, and so that give my kids the speech, uh, my campers that speech every year. And I think some of them, the light bulb really goes off and they go, you know what? It's okay not to be great at it. I just don't like it because it's fun. And that, that is okay. But the one thing I will always tell them is, but you need to find something that you want to be yeah. great at. Yeah. Because yeah. the easiest thing yeah. in the world to do is just go ahead and slide through being mediocre. Right. And, and life is a, it is a tough world out there to succeed in anything. And so I'm just like, if you play the piano or you're a dancer or you play any sport, anything that takes practice and commitment, Find what it is that 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 gets you excited before you go to bed at night, thinking about doing it the next day. When you wake up, you're already thinking about it. You are in tears if something you love gets canceled. Like I was that kid that would cry when my little league game got rained. Yes, yes, right? yeah, me too. So, yes, you know, yes. That's what I tell them. Like find that yeah. thing that does yeah. that that elicits those emotions in you. Yeah. That's the thing that then you can go and apply the same way you would if you were a basketball player trying to find that excellence, apply it to that. But it doesn't mean you have to give up basketball. You can play and have fun. Just be reasonable about your expectations and where this is going. Legs, I mean, I, I could talk to you all night. And on that note, I, I'll, I'll give you a break because you drove for – 11 hours today. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we're going to have to pick up the conversation. I still have a yeah. million other questions, but that talk, I mean, I, I just want it to be blared out. I mean, I just think that lesson about being great at something is what every kid needs to hear. Yeah. And as a father of two, uh, I'm stealing that, man. Yeah. And, and look, you know, it, it helped that growing up, I was youngest of five, Anthony. We didn't have a lot. I It was sink or swim in terms of get a scholarship or go to community college or get a ton of student loans, right? And I knew that. And so when you don't have a safety net, 
you really need to find something to be great at, right? If you want to, if you want to accomplish what you want to in life. And so, like I said, man, it's easy to just never have your foot on the gas and coast through and just, you can do that, but that's not what we're put here for. I don't think so. It might not be basketball if you're at my camp and there's a lot of kids. It's clearly not right. They're there for other reasons. That's perfectly fine. But, but I tell you what I pride myself is that kid that is a beginner that's only there because he's got their friends are here and whatever else that kid is going to leave on Thursday and he's going to like this game more. And he's going to think, man, it's pretty cool. And I had a lot of fun at that camp. And then I'm going to kick the other kid that this, he eats, lives and breathes this. I can tell. And that kid is going to leave and say, I really love it now. And I know now actually how to get even better because I learned some stuff this week. So I'll take any end of the spectrum at my camp and I'll cater the coaching to them for what their appropriate level is. And I'll push the more talented kids a little harder. And, and the, the kids that are there just beginning and trying to have fun, I'll make sure they, they do that in a competitive way and they leave and they think about the game a little bit more, man, because you never know when it's going to kick in and never know when that, that kid can all of a sudden really fall in love with it. It might be three years after he comes to camp. But one thing I know this, Anthony, is the last thing I'll leave you with. I tell coaches this all the time, young coaches especially, you're coaching young kids. You have the power to destroy this kid's experience. To where they will never know where this could have gone because they have such a bad taste in their mouth that they don't even want to play again. That is the power you wield as a coach. Yeah. And you need to take that seriously. And conversely, you can be that coach that changes a kid's life yeah. because of how positive the experience is overall. But you can also, and I've seen it, and my kids even went through it a little bit. They have seen coaches because they don't know and they squash kids they demoralize them and they just take the fun out of it and they give up on it. So you got to make sure you understand as a youth coach, the power that you really have on young impressionable people and the taste that you want to leave in their mouth for this game that you're coaching. You don't want to be that guy that drives a kid away from the game. So that that's, that's I, 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 oh my God, that is incredible, incredible advice. Welcome to Primo. How can we help you today? One old-fashioned meatball and make it quick because I got practice. You got it, coach. Congratulations, coach. You've been nominated by your team to win two tickets to the big game. Wait, nominated? So I didn't win? Smile. Not it, coach. Most valuable Not coach. It. Smile, Not coach. it. Smile. Come on, smile. Smile coach. for the guys, smile. coach. You got to be kidding me. Smile, smile coach. coach. I, one last thing, and then we're done. Yep. I promise. Yeah. And I gotta bear my soul to you, because I feel like I'm. I feel guilty right now, and I. I want to tell you about this. I have a little one who's ten, who's a good little athlete, and you know he loves basketball. And I co like we talk about. I coach him, and I coach my older one. But my little one is a decent little player, right? He, and he he loves the game, and I don't. He plays baseball, and he's a good baseball player, and he plays football, and I don't want him to fall in love with basketball like and, and i'll tell you i i don't i and i and i feel guilty about it because i fell in love with basketball and you know like we know there are limitations and so i go you need to love baseball because you can play baseball in college or love football 
because I do think you have enough athleticism to play football in college. But basketball is so competitive and body Man, type and everything about road. it. It's a tough and yes, road. And I dissuade him from it. And I feel horrible because I love the game, but I, I kind of push him more toward the other sports. Yeah. Oh, man. I would say let it play out. And uh, I think what's going to happen ultimately – how old is he, 10? Yeah. So here's what's going to happen. When he's 12 or 13 years old, one of these sports you're talking about, is go- he's going to start enjoying an awful lot of success. And I think that is going to dictate his path. It will happen organically. I don't think you even need to steer him away from basketball. It's going to happen organically. And that sport is going to give him this feeling, right, internally that we have been talking about this entire time, that you can't replicate any other place in his life. And that's going to dictate kind of where then it takes off for him. And he'll make that decision. And I'm not saying it won't be basketball. It sounds like most likely it wouldn't be. And I, and I just tell you, that is a tough path. If that's your dream to play, play in college, it's, it's, you got to be one tough SOB to, to, to make it. Because it is one of the reasons because of what I said. There's an individual component, man. You got to have a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence to be on a court and be able to make yourself felt by everybody else out there while also playing within a team concept. It's a very difficult balance to strike, man. And there is, there's only 10 spots on a team and there's a ton of competition for those spots. There's a ton of competition for the limited number of minutes that are available in a basketball game. So I understand what you're saying. It's a tough road. And I knew that for my kids too. You Gordon Michael Jordan. Yeah. This is going to be tough. This is going to be a tough path. If you guys want to do it and you love it, I'm all in. But just so you know, it's going to be a tough road. Like my son, last thing, one of the things that's different for these young kids that I didn't have to deal with, thank God, is this specialization that they're asking you to commit to when you're yeah. 10 years old. Like, yeah. oh, you're okay, you're a soccer player? Well, you yeah. know, we always thought soccer was a fall sport. Well, yeah, then you got winter indoors, you got spring travel, and then you got the summer team. And so now, like, as a result, and AAU, by the way, is March through July, that's baseball season. So right. now when you're 10, 11, 12 years old and you're and you're starting to get pretty good at basketball and you've got AAU teams that are like, you know, they want you on their team, I got news for you. They're not letting you play baseball. No. So now you might – like my son played when he was like six, seven years old, played baseball. By the time he was nine, we were playing AAU. He couldn't play baseball. He really couldn't do both. So I'll never know. Maybe my son would have been a major league second baseman. I don't know. But he didn't get a chance because of the specialization. Uh, and now I'll, I will advise a freak athlete this. If any freak athletes out there listening to this and you're like on that level and you know you're on that level, don't let them tell you that you can't play every sport because they'll never tell you you can't come back to that team because <laughs> they, more than anything, want talent. I can yeah. tell you that right now, right? So, yeah. So the freaks can probably pull it off, bounce from season to season still. You know, like I did, you know, I played everything and then I played basketball year round at night. But everything else I played, you know, every season came up. I That's what I played. Now, man, they want these kids, you know, at 10, you got to sign your life away and we get you for 10 months out of the year. And now it it, it prohibits other sports and, and you being introduced to other sports and finding out what you're good at. 
And it's something that kids have to deal with that I did not, thank goodness, because I might have made the wrong choice at that age. Well, I, that's the only thing bad about today is that exactly that. Like, you know, I'll go back to my 10-year-old who's playing fall baseball because you got to play fall baseball. Of course. And he's playing football. So he's got Monday is football, Tuesday's baseball, Wednesday, Thursday's football, Friday's baseball. And then he's got either tournament games or 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 football games or right. I'll get into both. Right. And that's seven days a week. Like I know. I, I'm almost thinking I put too much on his plate, but he loves it. So hey, I want to listen. My 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 son one time in high school, I added it up in a calendar year, played like 160 games. Oh in basketball. God. Because he played, he played thirty whatever he played in his high school schedule. We played fifty, I think fifty six that year in AAU. He played another two summer leagues. That was another like forty games, and then he played in a fall league. And I added it all up, and I'm going. And that's also, by the way, one of the knocks I have about current youth sports model. It's all games. Yes. In basketball, it's. Yes. It, and so, or organized, right? It's organized yes. practice two nights a week and then a ton of games, right? Which means kids are not playing pickup basketball. They're not, they're not going to the, to the gym on a night when there's nothing really going on and working on your handle for two hours because they got, they think if it's not organized, then they, that's all I have to do is what they've told me we have this week. And there's either two practices or we play five games. So that's that's my week. Well, what about all the other days that you can work on your own game? Because it's so structured. Everything is so organized for them. And it's all game-based that it. I think there's not as much attention to, like, individual skill development for, for, for players that really need it. Oh, you're so right. And it's basketball and it's baseball. Like, think about it. How many times a, a ball can hit you in the course of a game in baseball, right? Yeah, so, right. And, and what happens is you wind up playing all these tournaments and all these games when you really need to be working on your skill set. You really need to be working on your fielding. You really need to be working on your hitting where you can put – or your shooting or your handle or – those things are – because that's ultimately going to make you a better player, basketball, baseball, whatever it is. You, the yeah. more you're practicing and learning from guys like you, that that's going to make them better players. Yeah, and and ones that separate are the ones that that do still dedicate their time to individual development outside of the structured practices and games. Uh, they're the kids that end up separating themselves. But it, it's 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 a different world for kids now and what they're navigating in these youth sports schedules and what these teams are asking you to commit to and what you have to give up in terms of other sports. It's so different than what I dealt with growing up. Um, and it's interesting. I think about it all the time. What would I have done if, if I had been told at 14, 13, Hey man, you can't play basketball. We got baseball. We got fall ball. You got to play. You can't try out for the basketball team. I was so good at baseball at that time. I might have just said, well, then I don't even need to pick up a basketball and look at what happened to change the course of my life. My entire life yeah. is built around that round ball. And I might never have done it if someone had gotten in my ear. And look, maybe I would have made the major leagues, but maybe I wouldn't have. I don't know. But I ended up playing 10 years in the NBA. And my life has been built 23 years at ESPN and coaching and all that because I didn't have to pick 
I could let that happen whenever it happened. And I ended up really catching the bug when I was like 14, 15. And nowadays, by the time you're 14, 15, you had to pick that five years ago. Yes. And yes. that's just a really hard decision for families to make. For some, it's not, because I think some families say they think what you were saying earlier, like they're thinking scholarship. Well, let's see, there's 24 kids on a lacrosse team. And there's how many kids on the field at a time? And there's X number of scholarships. And in basketball, it's just not going to happen for you, son. So I think we're going to give up basketball. We're going to play soccer and lacrosse, right? I mean, that's what that, – and these are the kind of conversations that are happening. Rather than, hey, you can play them all. Right, right. You know? Right. Now, I let them play, right, because I'm coaching the basketball. So I, I let them yeah. play. But I'm still going because the other day he's like, Daddy, I want to show you my handle. They're really working on my handle. Uh, see, now I'm going to mess with you, man. I'm going to, I'm going to like reach out to him and I'm going to call him and I'll say, listen, man, I heard that, I heard that you know, things are really coming along with hoops. I think you should dedicate your life to it, man. Your dad really wants you to like, you know, be, be a hooper. It's tough. It's tough. It's it's fascinating, interesting. We're so invested in it. We love it so much. We love yeah. them so much. Right. We want, them, we want them to just love it and have so much fun doing it. And it's hard, man, because I can tell you this, like it's not even close. The most anxiety I have ever felt in my life is go when I was go to watch my kids play and I wasn't coaching. Oh, oh because because when I'm coaching, I, at least I have some control, right, over what's happening. Right now, they might still not play well on a given night, but I have some control over helping create the environment for all the kids on my team to have the best chance to succeed. And mm -hmm. I can't say that about all the guys, all the, all the people that my kids play for. So those, when I would go to games and I wasn't coaching and you sit there with that, knot in your stomach. And like, my daughter was a shooter. So, you know, you're thinking like, and her confidence would waver and I'm yeah. thinking like, please, that first one would come off her fingertips yeah. and you're saying, please make the first shot because you could just see, She'd smile and she'd run it back. The dimples are showing. I'm like, she's good to go now. She's locked in. She's like, you're, you know, they're in trouble because she made her first shot. And now the basket looks twice as big to her. And then the other night she'd miss her first two or three. And then she started hesitating. So, you know, and, and you're sitting there with all this anxiety. And I never felt it as a player. I never felt that. Like I just, you know, because I had so much confidence in myself. Right. Even, right. even when you played bad for a month, it didn't phase me. It's like, I know I'm going to snap out of it. But as a fan of your – as a spectator of your kids, as much as you love them and they're trying so hard to have success and not everything's in their control because they're playing with a kid that never gives the ball up and the coach yes. doesn't know how to handle that, yeah. right? The coach, the coach is letting this kid run roughshod over the whole team and they don't know how to get him in check and they don't run anything that makes any sense. Like, And you're sitting there and just – I used to tell people I would go to the gym and I would – and right outside in the parking lot, I would perform a basketball lobotomy on myself so I could go enjoy the game. <laughs> right, it's the only way I could enjoy the game. I had to act like I never saw a basketball game before. That's, That's the only way I could enjoy the game. Like, I, I never saw basketball. This is great. You know, like, honestly, my parents were kind of like, my dad was a baseball guy, right? So when he, he was heartbroken when I finally gave it up at LaSalle. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. He was devastated that I gave up baseball. He was. And, but you know, he was the one that he came to every single basketball game at LaSalle and he was my number one fan and did all that. But like, he always thought in the back of his head, like 
ah, he should have gone stuck with baseball. You, know, you, you never, even at the height of my best years in the NBA, he was still thinking, yeah, you still, you still would have been better in the major leagues. He was just that guy that thought that way, and he was heartbroken when I didn't do it. But, but here's the thing. Here's why, in some ways, it helped me a little bit in basketball. After a game, I get in the car with him. He didn't know. <laughs> he didn't know what the hell just happened out there. You know, and my mom, my, my blessed mother, I'd go over 10, you know, and she'd be like, oh, great shooting tonight, honey. You know, it's like, God, you know, you guys really don't understand the rules of the game. You know, <laughs> my mom used to break out rosary beads when I went to the foul line. And I finally went to her one night and I, after the game, my sister's, of course, was dying laughing. She goes, mom had the rosary beads out when you went to the foul line. I said, mom, mom, <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you right now. I got about a 90% chance of success in that situation. The rosary beads are not helpful. Next time you see me on an island with Clyde Drexler, break those babies out. I said, <laughs> I, said I, I can use those rosary beads when you see that kind of situation. But this foul, this foul free throw thing, I got a good handle on this. I got a good handle on what's happening here. I don't even know if the big guy's going to help me that much with that extra 10%. But anytime you see me in those situations, feel free, man. Break that, break those rosary beads out. Whatever you want to do. Oh, we had a big laugh over that. That is fabulous. All right, go go to bed. I, I killed you tonight. Yeah. Uh, I I love you. We will continue this another yeah. time. Absolutely, you're the greatest. Tim Legler, basketballcamp.com. By the way, you know people got to get on that. Get now because you might have for next summer. You may have registration yeah. banned earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 first week, always around right around end end of July, first week of August. So it's it's coming, and people usually start hopping on there as soon as we open up registrations. People know, and they start jumping on. So, uh, and hopefully one of these years, Ant, I'll get a second week going somewhere in a different location. And you should, yeah, please, please, you did. All right, get some rest. I love yeah, you. Man. You got it.